if you go through a bad patch, you have to believe that you're going to get past it. Like that's not the end all. It's not the time to throw in the towel and sit on the side of the curve and cry. Yes, you're allowed to feel emotions and you're allowed to take a step back and regroup yourself, but giving up is not an option. I think that's why I become a marathoner because it is rewarding if you continue to show up, if you continue to care about yourself and others, if you continue to take care of your body, it's all going to click one day. Just continue to persevere. You may not think you have much in common with Harunu Wudranani. She and her family fled her home country due to a civil war, made it to the States, where she became a state champion in running, a D1 athlete, and now she is a running coach with her own Olympic dreams. And although our story may be different, we can all learn from Haruni and how she has persevered by having gratitude and enjoying the process all along the way. Welcome to the Become a Provider podcast, a show about how people bless and protect others and how you can do the same. I'm your host, Justin Thomas. Let's begin. Coach Harani, welcome to the Become a Provider podcast. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, I'm super grateful to be on the podcast and let's hope I can share some tidbits that somebody can find valuable. Would you mind if I kick things off by sharing how you've provided for me? Absolutely. Go for it. About a year and a half ago, I started to think, I need a training program. The first thing I signed up for was a half marathon, and there was a relay race that a buddy of mine got me to sign up for, and I was scared. Like, just straight up, like, I've never done anything like this before. And I started just Google online. And this is probably interesting for you, you know, with the company. I just started Googling, and I came across your company, Run Coach, which we'll get into. And I signed up for the free trial. You guys offer a free training program. You type in like what your goals are. And I did that. And then uh, in addition to that, you had this wonderful model of chat with a coach. So for those, let me pause there. For those that don't know Run Coach, describe what that the company is and what you do with them. Yeah, I think you essentially hit the nail on the head there. So Run Coach is a training platform. We have an app and a website. And what our main goal is to help people reach their goals. So whether you're a runner, a walker, whether you're a beginner or somebody trying to qualify for something like the Boston Marathon, we meet you wherever you are and help you further along your journey. Do you remember one of the first chat messages we had was, I didn't even understand like what 200M meant. And I didn't even know what 46 meant that that was supposed to be seconds, not minutes. <laughs> like that's where I was coming to the program. Right, right. Yeah, that's pretty common though. So you weren't, you know, you didn't like make me raise my eyebrow there being like, oh, look at this guy. He doesn't know anything. I have people who they don't even know what a stride is, for example. So it's and a stride for those of you who may not know is basically a very short amount of time. So 15 to 30 seconds where you're just increasing your pace to get your legs spinning every single day, every single week and month. That's my most popular question. What is a stride? Oh, well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. We've just, we just benefited the listeners to know like, what is a stride here? It's so fun because you're in the business really of helping to motivate others and, and to guide them along this journey. And you've done a really good job. You're a, I mean, you know, the, the most intense accomplished runner that I know. But at the same time, you're able to relate to me and encourage me. How do you balance knowing that you are this really accomplished runner and helping someone new out like myself that didn't know what a stride was or like the meters and how do you bridge that gap? I mean, that's a tough question, right? I think a lot of it has to do with personality and what motivates me as a human. But I think one driving thread is that I have compassion. Like I understand that 
I didn't just magically become a really great runner. Like I had to go through the same growing pains and learn the same things when I was first starting out my journey. And I have so much appreciation for the people who helped elevate me and make me feel valuable and push me along the way. So I want to have that same impact on somebody else's life. And um, we have multiple coaches on the platform. So when I'm looking to hire new coaches to come on to run coach, I don't care how accomplished of a runner you are or how much knowledge you have or how many coaching certifications. If you can't have compassion, you're not going to succeed as a, as a coach on run coach. That's a non-negotiable trait that you have to have. And I benefited from that. So you helped me do my first relay and my first half. And then this year, my first solo marathon. Right. Yeah. I mean, what a year to run your first solo marathon, right? It was different. And so I wouldn't have done that without you, though. So thank you for that. Thank you for providing me the compassion, the empathy, the training, and the motivation to do something I never thought I would do. Oh, well, you're welcome. And I think it's not, it's not just me. Like, it takes, it's a partnership, right? So I can only do so much on this side of the computer screen and with the training I write. But I think it really takes a motivated individual who's willing to take on the other half of the partnership and to want to do it themselves, too. So you're obviously one of my shining examples, but there are many of my other athletes who don't always keep up their end of the bargain. And so they need to get a little bit more of a push along the way. But I, I truly enjoy working with folks like you who they, they say what they're going to do and then they go and do it. So that's awesome. Well, let's get into your journey as well. So before we had a chance to connect remotely and virtually with your work at Run Coach, like you mentioned, you just don't magically become this accomplished runner. So Tell the listener a little bit about your journey and what was it like to come to the States. So give us a little bit of your background. Yeah. So I don't know how many people know where Sri Lanka is because it's a pretty small country, but it is a small island off the coast of India in the Indian Ocean. The land size is just a little bit smaller than the state of West Virginia. So you can imagine it's very small, but it's very densely populated. And when I was born, there were some rumblings of a civil war, which turned out to be a full-blown civil war that the country had to endure for multiple decades. It was just very dangerous to even take a bus to go to school or go to the grocery store because there was just, there was just terrorist attacks everywhere. And civilians were like, they were fair game. So my parents made the decision that we needed to migrate somewhere safer if we were going to, you know, have a fulfilling life. And so I spent a bit of my first three years when we migrated in Australia. So I lived in Melbourne. And that's where I learned to speak English. Although I'm pretty upset that I don't have an Australian accent, which would have been pretty sweet. <laughs> but then my mom, uh, thankfully, got a teaching job in the United States. So we migrated as a family to Northern Virginia. And that's where I went to elementary school, middle school, and high school. Nobody in my family had gone to a university, like in our in my extended family. So I was the first person to get a scholarship to run at a university. There was just a lot of firsts for all of us along the way. But as I mentioned before, there were some key people, my coach, my school mentor, like just so many people who helped my family to allow us to have the luxuries that we enjoy now and the opportunities we have now. And I just see it as my responsibility to help at least a person in my life to make it purposeful. Oh, that's so good. And so I grew up on the other side of Virginia, the Southwest tip, and you were up in Northern Virginia growing up, and you mentioned about some positive voices in your life, how they provided for you. So take us back to a moment, either with your coach or that school counselor of how that really helped you in that season of life. 
Yeah. So I very clearly remember when I was in high school, this is when I started taking running seriously. But before that, it was like, I just wanted to beat all the boys in middle school because I didn't want anyone to be better than me. Um, so you can <laughs> tell the competitive nature was kind of, I, I was kind of born with it apparently. But when I got to high school, my coach, who I still work with to this day, so it's been a 15 year relationship now, he identified that I was that I had some talent, but I wasn't one of those people who were like very, very talented, but he just knew by seeing me run that I was willing to put in the work so that my work ethic could eventually get me to be a pretty good runner. So he kind of like took on a father figure for me, right? So he helped me win my first state championship, go on my first university uh, recruitment trip. And he even helped me like find a tutor to study for the SATs because my parents had no idea what the SATs were. And as a student, I knew that they were important, but like for me, I wanted to be a runner. So it wasn't important for me to see that connect the dots as to I should go to a college because that's going to help me be a better runner with resources as well as be a better human when I'm done with all of that. So I credit a lot of my guidance and the fact that I work on, at Run Coach now and help my husband run his business, like all these skills that I learned along the way were because of having him as a, somebody who guided me in the right path. And the fact that you're still working with him 15 years, what's that partnership like? It's pretty awesome. I mean, he wasn't my coach when I was in college, but he was still there as a mentor. And I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. Like, I feel like we speak the same language. Like, I don't have to... If I send him a text after a, a workout and I'm like, oh, it was just okay. He knows to read between the lines to be like, okay, so what went wrong? What wasn't feeling well? Like, he knows me really well enough now and he knows when to push me and when to not push me. I really, I just appreciate it. And I continue to thrive for, you know, over a decade under his guidance. So I think more than the coaching and the training aspect, I just really enjoy the, the mentorship that he's provided me. Well, and that makes sense of the work that you get to do now of mentoring, coaching people like me is comes from a very authentic place, obviously, like you've had that positive voice in your life. Yeah. I mean, I hope that I know prior to this, we've mostly chat, you know, on a computer, but I tried to do my best to, you know, care about my, all of my athletes and you're not just a conversation for me. Like you're a, a person with goals and you have a whole life. You're not a full-time runner. So I'm not going to expect you to do all these crazy things. So yeah, I, tr I try. And like, it is so fulfilling for me when one of my athletes do well, because it's even, it's even better to me than my own success when I see somebody else doing well. Oh, thanks. Well, I, I love it. Yeah, you always cheer me on with it. And it's fun too. And I think, you know, for our listeners, I think what I love to get across is the, the power that we have to be a positive voice in people's lives. Yeah, I call it being a provider and just blessing and protecting others. And for you to reflect on how meaningful that was for your high school coach uh, to take an interest into you and for you. And like you said, it's a partnership. It's not just one side. So what made you respond well, do you think, to him and his invitation of mentoring and, and guiding? You'd mentioned that competitive spirit running, but what do you think helped you to say yes to his opportunity to be you know, mentored in your life? I didn't have time to go into all the details, but in a very young age, there were people along my parents' life and my life who's helped us get over some very tough obstacles. So I've always seen as somebody else helping us as a provider because we can't always go on and do things on our own. And so my parents moved here, sure, but it was because 10 other people helped us get here. 
And when we got here, we had nothing but two suitcases and our church, you know, gave us Christmas presents. They gave my parents cooking utensils so they can make food for us. Like just so many people's genuine willingness to help somebody else in need. And I think that has always been a thread that has been constant in my life. So I think I just see it from a different perspective than maybe somebody who's had everything and they don't really know what trial and obstacles are, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I think I I appreciate every day for what it is and every person for what they've contributed to my life. Well, it's a great story. And and you've taken such a positive turn with it, right? Because you could have gone, I guess, you know, there's when you land in America, like that's unknown. That's a lot of stress and you don't know anyone and you're like learning the language recently in Australia. And so thank goodness for positive people in both of our lives to just take an interest. And I actually had my high school basketball coach as one of, one of my first podcast interviews. And it was just so nice to say thank you, you know, for being a positive voice in my life and very similar to your story with uh, your coach always being there and guiding you. And I know it hasn't always been easy. So someone listening to this might say, this sounds really easy, but I know that there were some challenges once you left home and you become this D1 athlete in Kentucky. So what were some of the challenges that you faced there and how did you overcome them? Oh gosh, I think we could have a whole nother podcast about those. But being in a D1 setting is like a pressure cooker situation. For a lack of better terms, they run it like a business. So if you're not a contributing member who's going to elevate your business, which is your university, and bring in money, means you're performing well, so people are coming to watch you, or you're winning SEC medals or getting points for the university, if you're not doing anything to make the university look good, basically they don't care about you. And unfortunately, those were four years, I guess five years in my life that I just wasn't performing very well or up to expectations as an athlete. When I entered Kentucky, I was on a full scholarship and which was great because that means my parents didn't have the financial burden of my tuition. But I quickly, because I wasn't performing, I lost that scholarship. That's how intense it was. Like I was given six months to perform. And when I didn't perform in those six months, because I was injured and adjusting as an 18 year old to being all alone in a university, having to study at a high level and compete at a high level, they took that those funds away from me. I mean, it was just really tough. I had to figure out how to get a loan. I'm still paying those loans to this day. And it was just, it's also like, I identified so much of myself back then as a runner, right? And so when that identity was compromised, I I struggled to figure out what my self-worth was and what my purpose was. And it took me a very long time to regain my, my composure and my path again. And I'm really glad I did. But those were some very difficult years. <laughs> Who helped you through those times? Because that sounds awful. I mean, that sounds so hard with the pressure of going there as a D1 athlete and the scholarship too, because your family's just come from here and they don't have the means, it sounds like, to just say, oh, no problem. We got this covered. So I'm sure it was stress on stress on stress. And so how do you get through that? Once again, my, my high school coach was a very, he, he helped me figure out like, all right, there are these government programs that you can get loans from, you go to FAFSA, all these things. So he was there and he was just like, you have to believe in yourself. It's going to start clicking eventually. But then there were some key resources within the athletic department. So there was a sports psychologist and then we had guidance counselors who were outside of the realm of athletics. So they didn't really care about what happened to you in the athlete part. They just worried about you as a human being and a student. So being able to compartmentalize almost, figure out, all right, if this isn't going well, like let's focus on something that is going well, which is your studies. I think it just kind of helped me reframe my focus and just put my energy in in a basket that actually could deliver. 
And so you'd mentioned at that time in your life, you'd associate yourself as a runner, and now you've grown out of that while still being a runner. So what is, what's your identity at this point that you've discovered about yourself? <laughs> um, I think I'm honestly just, you know, just, I'm just a person, right? Like there are things that I do, but I wear so many hats. Like I'm the director of marketing. I am a wife. I'm a dog mom. I am a 10 time national record holder. So I, I don't want to just assign myself with one thing because I learned that I can do so many things and do them all well too. So I feel like that's a tough question to answer, but I just see myself as a contributing member of society. And that's what I want to be for the rest of my life. Somebody who contributes to society. That's a great mission to be one that contributes to others. And you're doing that in your work and in a variety of ways. And so what are you uh, striving for now? I think the biggest thing that I want to get through right now, and I hope that this reflects through my work is I want to help people get through the pandemic, especially in my, in my day-to-day work. Like, I'm not just a coach. I've noticed that I've become sort of a therapist to a lot of people who are going through a lot of emotional struggles and growth during this time. I mean, it wears on me too, right? Like I have a hundred conversations and I hear about how tough things are for people and you start to carry that home with you. So I want to make that my mission. So whenever, if there is an end in sight, and there will be, I want to help as many people get across that line with a healthy mental aspect and also a healthy physical body. I think this is going to chew out a lot of people, but I want people to know that they're not alone in it. And there are resources out there for all of us. Yeah. And that parallels your story, right? It sounded like you found the resources you needed while you were in Kentucky. And what made you say, hey, I'm not giving up running? Because you could have said that, like, hey, I'm, I'm done with running. And so what made you say, I'm back in this game? I think I just really enjoy moving my body. You know, it's a gift to be able to move our body. There are so many people that don't have that opportunity. When I wasn't no longer running under the pressure of a scholarship, I just wanted to continue to move my body because I like being outdoors. I love running through nature and seeing trees and animals and just the social aspect of it even because there's other people who like to do that with me. So I don't know. I guess I'm just, I wasn't ready to give up the gift of being able to move. (laughs) And so you kept running after college, even though there was no scholarship pressure or anything of that. And and it sounds like you rediscovered the love for it. And so what made you continue to engage in the races? And then when did you know, like, hey, I'm actually getting close to some national records. Tell us about that moment. Yeah. So I was a pretty good runner in high school. So I I was what you would consider like a a blue chip recruit for a lot of these college programs. So there was always a, a bit of promise there, right? Which would make sense why I got a full scholarship. And then those five years where I wasn't performing well, I just kept saying like, if I keep running, if I keep believing, maybe it could happen. And then I ran my first marathon back with the guidance of my high school coach, who's been my mentor this whole time. And unknowingly, my first marathon was a national record. I didn't have these goals in mind to be an Olympian or a national record holder. I just kind of did something that I like. And having had all those years of work under me and the competitive fire that never quite was extinguished, I was able to do something special. So once that happened, there were people who started to take notice again. And one thing led to another. And now I'm at the point where I'm now that I'm like the fastest South Asian athlete in history as for a woman. I don't know how it all happened. I don't, (laughs) if you told me to go back and map it out, I probably couldn't do it. But I'm just really grateful that I didn't stop believing myself. And and you appreciate it so much more, I'm sure, but because the work and effort your parents had to do of coming to the States and then, you know, what you had to go through at Kentucky and then to rediscover what you did. And how amazing is it to find that out now? Like, congratulations. 
well, thank you. But, you know, again, it's just part of who I am. I couldn't have done it alone. I, I feel like I stand on the shoulders of giants, right? So if somebody would have closed the door for me along the way and I could have never come to America, who knows what I would be doing now. So I think it's always so important to be aware of the decisions that we make in our lives and how one decision can have a massive impact for the rest of your life. Um, it's like going down a corridor and opening a door and deciding, should I go in or not? And then you get to see other people in the coaching program to, you know, when they open up that door, what's that like on that side of things now? It's so exciting. So like, even with your story, right? Like your race got canceled and then you did it virtually. And you were one of the first people to run a virtual marathon as one of my athletes. And correct me if I'm wrong, you did it to honor your dad. That's right. Yeah, I did. So, I mean, that that type of motivation first of all to run 26.2 miles alone is no joke but then like the specialness of honoring your dad your girls were there like the signs like that's that was so inspiring to me because that's not ever something that i would have imagined being able to be a part of even if i wasn't there physically and like people don't realize like the things that they share with me like it really hits home and when i'm going through a hard spot i think about wow, like Justin did this by himself. And I have three people running with me. Like I can be a little bit tougher and get through this. So there, are, there's just so much inspiration constantly. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything else other than what I'm doing now. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And it, you know, what's encouraging is it doesn't matter what side of the table we sit on, does it? Where if you are the coach or the person getting coached, you, the inspiration goes both ways. It does. Yeah. And I think I think that's what makes a really good partnership. Like you should always be willing to be inspired, be a really good listener and also being able to like take pointers. I, I see so many of my colleagues get this mindset of I'm, I'm the best in my country. I'm the best in the world. So nothing can, nothing's going to um, change me to think otherwise. And I'm just like, no, there are so many others out there that you could like help you reframe your thoughts and just help you be better in an aspect. Maybe it's not that you're running your fastest marathon, but just a better person overall. Well, that's what I love about running in this whole partnership that I've discovered through Run Coach and you is that, I mean, we could go on and on about the parallels of life and running, right? Like just to get out there. And, and sometimes it's hard, like it's, and it's not what we expect. And then you think, is this worth it? And so what has running taught you in life? Well, it's taught me to always persevere. I mean, <laughs> that's been like the theme of this talk, right? So there are, the longer you go, the more obstacles you're going to have to get through. So as a distance runner, like if you go through a bad patch, you have to believe that you're going to get past it. Like that's not the end all. It's not the time to throw in the towel and sit on the side of the curb and cry. Yes, you're allowed to feel emotions and you're allowed to take a step back and regroup yourself, but giving up is not an option. I think that's why I've become a marathoner because it is rewarding if you continue to show up, if you continue to care about yourself and others, if you continue to take care of your body it's all going to click one day just continue to persevere what's your next race do you have one lined up i do so december 6th i have a race in valencia spain the first day that a person can qualify for the olympics for 2021 is december 1st and this is the first race that has invited athletes so i'm going to be on a flight with my husband who's also a runner to spain on november 30th and hopefully we we run a good one <laughs> I know you're going to crush it. And the whole idea behind this is that you want to represent Sri Lanka in the Olympics. Right. Yeah. That's been my childhood dream. So I'm going to keep pursuing it until I can't anymore. 
That's great. Well, you go get it. Don't let me take up any more of your time. This is amazing. I'm inspired by you and thank you so much for the kind words. And as we wrap up our conversation today, what are ways that, because you are a coach, you're providing so much guidance and emotional support, not just the technical support of running. What are ways that you're providing for yourself in this season or that you need to be provided for? So I actually don't think that I do a very good job at at this question because I spent so much of my time providing for others. But recently I read a book, it's called Rebound. It's actually meant to be for people who are getting over injuries, but there was a, a chapter in there that talked about being really aware and being grateful. So every night before I go to bed, I have a journal next to my nightstand that I journal at least five things that have allowed me to feel gratitude throughout the day. Because I feel like things like that really fill my cup. I don't, I'm not at the point where I need to get support from somebody else, but reminding myself that I'm very blessed to enjoy the life that I have, do the job that I do and to move my body. I mean, that that's plenty enough for me. Yeah, that comes across in your story, just this gratefulness and this gratitude, as you as you mentioned. And for those that have been inspired by a little piece of your story here that we've been able to connect with, what are ways that people can follow you? So I have Twitter, social media. Um, so Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for my name. It, there aren't too many Haruni Wijaratnas out there. And if not, you I mean you can always join Run Coach, and you don't have to be a, a paying member like join run coach and send us a message and we're willing to help you if if your goals align with some kind of physical journey are there any other uh, parting thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with that i didn't give you a chance to reflect on upon your personal journey and being provided for i think the best way that somebody can help be a provider is to be grateful because you don't notice it but there are so many so many people have to do so many things for us to live our life the way that we are now the sooner that we realize that the better that we can help make our planet and and other people's lives thank you for listening to this episode before you take off i wanted to ask if you would enjoy getting a short email from me every wednesday called a kind word it provides a little positivity to help you get over hump day It's free and shares highlights of things that have brought me joy over the past week. If you want to start getting a kind word from me, simply sign up at justinthomascoaching.com by entering your email address and you'll get the next one. That's justinthomascoaching.com. Thanks again for listening. Bless and protect.